Prepare for unforeseen consequences. G-Man. And welcome to Navi Tales. I'm Josh. I am Nick. And today we are doing Half-Life. Because we had a bunch of things planned and I hated them. So now we're doing Half-Life. Yeah. Uh, Nick, you've never played? No. Um, yeah, I haven't played. I, I thought I did, but I played something else then. Um, it was like, I had the... What what is it called? The orange box. Oh yeah, with Half Life. But I didn't. I didn't play Half Life. I just ended up playing Portal. Um. But yeah, I've seen a lot of uh of one and two. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty iconic game at this point. It's it's not like a new one. Uh, it's uh was up until recently one of the most anticipated uh trilogies of all time, but uh. It's all about been confirmed this game's never being released. Rip the dream. Um, which I hate. We'll get to that in Half-Life 2. Um, but today we're tackling Half-Life 1, the original, which is a great game. I've played it. It's probably cheap as hell on Steam. Oh, probably. Probably like 10 bucks on Steam, if that. And it's 100% worth the money. It aged better than you would think it would with graphics for the time. Uh, there's a bunch of mods for it, including someone, I believe, remade the game in something. Sure. Uh, I, I think it was called Project Black Mesa. Okay. Uh, they that sounds vaguely familiar. They remade all of Half-Life 1 in a new engine, and it's pretty great. Uh, and S- Steam even greenlit it, which is awesome. Uh, if you don't know, Valve made Half-Life. Valve also owns Steam. Uh, and, uh, on top of it all, if you just want to see someone play through the game, I highly recommend the YouTube series Freeman's Mind, because it's fucking hilarious. Uh, and right now, Freeman's Mind, uh, by, I think, Accursed Studios or something like that, is actually starting Half-Life 2. Uh, on April Fool's Day, they released the first episode, and I went, you're a cunt. You're a dickhead. And I went to go see, like, what kind of joke it was, and it was legitimately the first episode, and I went, now you're a bigger cunt. Uh, so let's dive in. The game begins with Gordon Freeman on a tram on the way to his job at the Black Mesa Research Facility. On the way there, he passes Barry Calhoun. A friend and coworker as a guard. On the way, he passes over a radiation pool that is currently being cleaned up by the facility workers, giving us an insight into the chaos of Black Mesa. From the windows, Gordon can see nuclear missiles ready for transport to launch sites, robots nearly crashing into the tram, and the workings of the facility. And also on the way, he can see the G-Man on a crossing. Then the tram stops. Freeman arrives at the anomalous materials lab and puts on his HEV suit. Going to the lab, he meets the scientists he will be working with for this test. These same ones inform him of a unique and large sample of classified origin and that they will be deviating from normal procedure on this particular experiment. In the test chamber, Freeman starts the anti-mass spectrometer, which delivers the sample that they are talking about. Hesitant at first, Freeman is coaxed on and pushes the cart with the specimen on it into the beam. However, something goes wrong, as it always does when you're pushing classified substances into anti-mass spectrometers. Right. It's just... Yeah, yeah. It just something fucks up every time. Yeah, every, everybody goes through it once. <laughs> the scientist tells him to stop the anti-mass spectrometer, but he can't hear them, as there's a flash and everything goes black. Another flash, and suddenly Gordon Freeman is on an alien world. With a pool of green light, he finds himself surrounded by alien life forms known as Vortigaunt that are confused by his presence. A final flash, and he's back in the destroyed test chamber. Leaving the test chamber, Freeman sees that the Black Mesa has received massive structural damage. And more pressing is that the aliens from the planet Zen are invading. Freeman then meets up with one of the scientists who he was working with, Dr. Eli Vance, who informs him that all phones are off and that he needs to go, uh, that he needs to get to the surface to get help. Gordon finds a crowbar, his version of the Buster Sword, and is able to get through the obstacles and aliens in the way. Going back to the tram, he realizes it's damaged and he has to go through Sector B's coolant reserve facility in order to find a way out. During this time, the G-Man can be seen watching him as he travels the facility. 
Getting through there, Freeman finds himself in the office complex where scientists and security guards have found several ways and places to barricade and take care of themselves within the facility against the invading Zen. He also hears from the people that work there that the military has arrived to lend aid to uh, those at the facility. Uh, Freeman is able to get further and further into the facility on his hunt to the surface. Freeman also sees that the soldiers that were rumored to have arrived for rescue have actually arrived. When attempting to join up with them, however, he witnesses a room full of them massacre some scientists looking for help. Through reacting to being shot at with his own bullets, he discovers that these are hazardous environmental combat units which have taken over the facility and not just killing aliens, but killing everyone within it to keep the knowledge of what's going on in the facility from escaping. Eventually, Freeman reaches the surface only to find out that the military has full control and is currently bombing the above-ground portion of the facility. Due to this, he's forced back underground. One of the scientists who barely survived the bombardment themselves mentions that the Lambda team may be able to close the dimensional rift, but they're in the Lambda complex on the other side of the facility, so Freeman starts his journey towards the Lambda team. Freeman is then able to get into an abandoned part of the Black Mesa facility that dates back to the early days of Black Mesa as a missile complex. Now used for dumping toxic waste, he is able to find lots of old machinery and more importantly, aliens that have been able to successfully hold off the HECU soldiers. Ending up at a rocket engine test silo, Gordon finds a very large tentacle has taken up most of it. Through various means, he's able to restart the rocket engine and incinerates the being behind the tentacle. Finding out that the alien had dug a hole for miles underground, he follows the pit. Now trying to reach the surface again to get his bearings, he encounters a large alien named Gargantua. A security guard who was severely wounded by the large alien tells him that if he restores power, he is able to get to the surface. Freeman enters the subterranean areas to activate generators, meanwhile uh, dodging the hound eye infestation that has taken residence in that, uh, in that area. Um, yes, they are hounds with one giant eye. So good job, Gabe, on your creativity. Yeah, I have never liked that. They also suck. They spit acid at you. He activates the generators, flips the switch to turn it on, and watches the transformers for the rail system electrocute the Gargantua. Now, uh, now he's on the tram to the surface. As Gordon rides the tram into the materials transport section of Black Mesa, he learns from a security guard that he must ride to the high-altitude launch center to launch a satellite, which the Lambda team can use to reverse the effects of the resonance cascade. Uh, there's a lot of syllables in that so let's break things down real quick. The Residence Cascade is uh, aliens teleporting into the facility, uh, and that's about all you need to know. Freeman also discovers the HECU's true hatred for him, as well as their larger reinforcements. Sandbag bunkers with rapid-fire sniper rifles, mounted machine gun turrets, manual and automated, and even mounted rocket launchers. After going in circles for a while, Gordon goes up several elevators, and at last reaches the surface again near the launch site. He sends up the rocket into orbit and goes back underground. Continuing forward, Gordon encounters a new Zen creature and acquires a crossbow that makes him even deadlier from a distance. Eventually killing the aquatic ichthyosaur, he gets uh, back on his way. On the way, he encounters the Black Ops, another military group trying to kill even the HECU soldiers and Freeman himself. Freeman is eventually captured by two HECU soldiers and, out of their hatred for him, throws him in a trash compactor after taking all his weapons. After escaping from the trash compactor and getting back to the surface, Gordon stumbles towards a mostly abandoned part of the facility, meant for processing and disposing of waste and hazardous materials. Dodging and jumping through antiquated compact machines, large vats of waste, and slipping through furnaces, as well as... Uh, Riding on gravity-defying conveyor belts, Freeman leaves this part of the facility. Finally, he starts getting towards the Lambda Complex, ending up in a secret part of the facility where he finds out that Black Mesa has been collecting specimens from the Zen long before they appeared here to fight. Here is also where he finds the Tau Cannon, a very powerful but experimental weapon that he uses to blow a hole in the wall. When you can't find a way, make it. 
Gordon again reaches the surface, which is now a war zone. The Vortigaunts, along with alien grunts and gargantuas, have begun making determined attacks against the Marines, and the tide of the battle is beginning to turn in favor of the aliens. The Marines call in reinforcements, but it's not enough. Gordon must scale cliffs and navigate the bombed-out buildings while avoiding both sides. With this newfound battle, the HECU determines that they are fighting a battle they can't win, both against the Zen and Freeman. They decide to abandon the facility and call in several more airstrikes and heavy artillery strikes to cover their retreat. Meanwhile, Gordon finally reaches the Lambda Complex, which he discovers is the place that Black Mesa has been developing teleportation technology that allowed the scientists to travel to Zen. The surviving personnel inform Gordon that the satellite he accidentally launched earlier wasn't able to reverse the effects of the Resonance Cascade because another, more powerful being on the other side is keeping the rift open and that the only way to close it is to go to Zen and kill it. Once on the border world of Zen, Gordon encounters many of the aliens that have been teleported to Black Mesa, as well as the remains of some of the HEV-wearing researchers who came before him. In order to progress, he needs to reactivate a portal inside one of the floating islands to get to Zen's perimeters. Freeman is made to face one of the Nihilith's most powerful minions, the Gonark, which I think is a dumb name, <laughs> found in its lair located in another floating island. Gordon is able to kill it and use the portal created after its death to continue. Gordon's journey across Zen continues, but his supplies are running short. Spent on destroying the Gonark. He is teleported to an alien grunt cloning facility where the army of Zen is created. There, Gordon finds a group of docile Vortigaunts working before exiting the facility and getting ready to enter one last teleporter. In a vast cave, Gordon finally confronts the powerful and mysterious being that is holding the portal open, the Nihilith. Gordon destroys its healing system, allowing him to destroy its vulnerable brain. As the creature dies, it floats towards the ceiling, emanating portals, and finally exploding in a giant green blast that overpowers Gordon's senses. When Gordon comes to his senses, he finds himself in front of the G-Man. Both are transported to various locales around Zen, uh, while the G-Man praises Gordon's actions in the border world. Uh, to later explain that his employers have agreed that Gordon has limitless potential and have authorized him to offer Freeman a job. The G-Man and Gordon are teleported a last time to a tram car, flying through space at immense speed. By stepping into a portal and knowing that his only other choice is a battle he has no chance of winning, Gordon accepts the G-Man's offer. Finding himself floating in nothingness, he hears the G-Man's voice one last time. Wisely done, Mr. Freeman. I will... See you up ahead. So, there's a lot of weird things in Half-Life that are never really explained because half the franchise, the franchise will never be finished. Be finished. Uh, and probably the most suspicious ones are um, the G-Man himself. Yeah, I think so. Who... I know you, you're not super familiar with the franchise, but I'm sure you're familiar with the G-Man, at least to an extent, who is this kind of enigmatic character. He, he talks very strange. You've heard how he talks, right? Yeah, I have. With that studded speech that seems like... You ever watch Men in Black? Yeah. Uh, in He talks like that alien wears that farmer's skin. The bug? Yeah. Yeah. He talks like that. It's very inhuman. Uh, it's really strange, uh, and I think it's really interesting. And he's dressed up like a businessman. Uh, once they uh, revamp the graphics in Half-Life 2, he has very, very, very pale blue eyes. He, he's just a strange character with strange, strange powers. Um, I want to do an entire episode on the G-Man. Because we could, but we need to finish the franchise up until we can't anymore. Right. Um, although I do think that I have a way for us to do Half Life 3, which I think would be neat. 
uh, the original writer for Half-Life 2 released his script for Half-Life 3. Oh, yeah, 3. I remember that. Yeah, which is why as soon as that script was released and Valve didn't do a takedown, I went, this game's never coming out. Yeah. Because Valve would have done a takedown if it was. Yeah, absolutely. So as soon as it was released and there was no takedown, I went, okay, that's the nail in the coffin for this game. Uh, that's okay. So I, I read the fuck out of it. Uh, and I definitely will do the tentative Half-Life 3 episode at some point. Yeah, just, we could definitely do that just based off his script. Just based off his script, we could absolutely do a Half-Life 3 episode. And I think that it'd be really cool, uh, especially if you didn't know that the Half-Life writer, like the writer for the games, has a script that he released Right, that is Half-Life 3. He goes, this was my Half-Life 3 script. So, uh, and I think that it'd be a really cool episode, which is part of the reason I really wanted to start Half-Life, because we can start down the road of this, of us eventually doing yeah. a Half-Life 3 episode on our lore show. Yeah. Um, and also, like, we, we need to establish a basis before we dive into some real fun things, and uh, we need to establish a basis of Half-Life before we do things like the G-Man, who I think is probably one of the biggest gaming mysteries out there what is the g-man oh is yeah he absolutely an alien is he a because i know matt pat of game theory fame did a who was the g-man episode and he'd come to the conclusion it was the g-man was probably a nihilist yeah, I think I vaguely, I remember re vaguely remember that. It's been a while since I've seen that yeah, episode. Yeah, he's, he's come to the conclusion that the G-Man is a nihilist, which I don't wholeheartedly believe in. I think the G-Man is something entirely different. Uh, his character gives me very Lovecraftian vibes. Of strange characters. Uh, I guess it's one of the reasons I love the character so much. <laughs> Probably. Because strange, strangeness always attracts me in, in these things. Uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, that's what we have for Half-Life 1. It's a rundown of pretty much everything that happens in the game. Uh, most of the game is walking around blank halls. But um, that doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. The character designs are always really great. And uh, the, the Vortigaunts are another very interesting part of it because they're not, they're enslaved. Anytime you see a Vortigaunt, they're wearing a green collar. So in Half-Life 2... Uh, there are some Vortigaunts that aren't enslaved and are able to work with whoever they want. So the Vortigaunts become a very interesting character, which again ties into the G-Man, because there's a point in Half-Life 2 where the Vortigaunts are able to... kind Because the G-Man can stop fucking time. Right. And there's a point where the, the Vortigaunts interfere with that, which is very, very interesting. Um, so yeah, we, we'll definitely be able to do things like that. Uh, I know this wasn't our longest episode. Uh, this isn't quite Dark Souls, uh, but we'll we'll definitely have more content for Half Life coming up because there's a lot more Half Life content out there. Um, so as we like to do every episode, Nick, what have you been playing? Um, Dead Cells, <laughs> just fucking chugging along with that. I'm gonna like I was saying this to you, uh, last night that I'm kind of in a game rut except for Dead Cells but Dead Cells is one of those games since it's roguelike um, to an extent that after a couple deaths you're just kind of like alright I'm done with this and then once I'm done with that I really don't have anything else that like is really grabbing me right now uh, which is why I'm super excited that uh, Spider-Man's coming out soon so uh, eventually I'll be talking about that on this podcast oh we both will but um yeah, Dead Cells, I'm uh, just having a lot of, it's just so much fun. Um, just constantly doing better and better. Um, a thing I found out about the game, which I thought was really fucking cool, is uh, there's a, um, I believe that this mode is in beta, but there's a Twitch mode for the game. Um, basically, you can, uh, a Twitch streamer can stream the game and uh, the chat is involved. There's a, there's a bird that follows you, which I believe they named Captain Chicken or something like that. Something ridiculous like that. But the bird has, uh, underneath it, will have a, well, somebody's uh, in the chat's Twitch name. Um, so, like, they get to pick, or, like, it's randomly picked, and the bird has a certain power. Uh, I didn't get into what the bird can have, but I know I saw one that was shooting lightning at enemies to help the, the 
person that was playing. Um, and then I guess the Twitch chat can vote on various things. So in the game, you collect uh, scrolls, which power up uh, one of the three stats, uh, brutality, tactics, or vi uh, survival. Um, and in the game, that, that stats boost different things, and um, what, certain weapons scale off different stats. But um, So I guess when you pick up a scroll, in, in, usually you get to pick... Um, I guess when you pick it up in this mode, um, the chat votes on what to increase for your stats, and there's like other things they can vote on. Um, uh, I didn't get, I didn't see, like I didn't do too much research into it. I just like saw somebody streaming it, and I was like, what the fuck? There's like a Twitch mode about it. Um, and then like there's like chests you can find in the game, and like if you open it, it'll give you probably a good item. But in this one, it looks like uh, the Twitch chat has to like mash like certain words to open the chest while the person playing is to fight enemies that Weird. spawn around the chest um and then if like you you beat a big boss or if you die the twitch chat can like type in certain words that will appear in the person's game like get good will start flashing yeah, in the game oh my and, sh God. and shit like that or like way to go stuff like that or gg like just typical nonsense yeah typical um, but it'll nonsense. but it'll actually flash on the screen just uh, little in, in the game. Um, so I thought that was really cool uh, that the game had that integration. Oh, that is really cool. And then, other than that, just Pokemon Go. Uh, the Johto event just ended. Um, I know. I didn't catch which, enough hound, hound hours or whatever. Really? Yeah. They're fucking everywhere, dude. Um, yeah, I'm kind of... I don't know, it's like bittersweet because like, I was kind of sick of looking at Johto Pokemon, but now it's like just regular garbage everywhere. Um, but you just had the Ho Ho event. Ho Ho. Yeah, there was Ho Ho for the, they brought Ho Ho back for the weekend. I did not get a shiny Ho. You were triggered. Yeah, I only was able to do one, and I caught it, but it was normal. Uh, my friend ended up getting a shiny. Um, on his birthday, and I wanted to yell at him, but I was like, "It's your birthday," so. It's kind of like you with the uh, with the dust skull. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like you want to yell at them, but it's like it's kind of your birthday, so like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, when on my birthday, uh, we also had the um, that was the EVE event, right? Yeah. Was we it did, the EVE event? Yeah, yeah that was the EVE, EVE event. event on we, your birthday. we did the EVE event on my birthday, and uh, the park we were playing at was a dust skull nest. And I was able to get a shiny Duskull, not just shiny. I got several shiny EVs, but I was also able to get a shiny Duskull because there were that many Duskulls. And it was like one of those things where like I went because I was just catching them all because I'm trying to get the ghost badge. Uh, uh, so I was just like, oh, oh, dope. This one's red. <laughs> like, well, and actually on top of that, my brother who never gets shinies and is yeah, never, he got one too. Is never able to like do events. Like he he's just like so far behind in the game, and I always feel bad because I I want him to play more because he, he likes it. He just never is able to do it was able to catch a shiny too and i was like heck yeah the barclays got it yeah it's pretty dope and then um working on the celebi quest trying to get celebi i got my espion earlier today nice. so i'm trying to evolve Eve, uh, another umbreon and i think i have to do a trade with somebody i think that's the quests i'm currently on i mean i'll help yeah and then <laughs> you're like i'll take nice things um i'm like uh they're gonna do Next week end is going to be um, Moltres. It's what's going to happen. Like it's like if so. This weekend is the Safari event, the third Safari event in Japan. Um, so they'll get a bunch of spawns over there, and we'll get uh, boosted uh, spawns of Wingle because it's going to be shiny. It's actually already in the game. It's just not boosted yet. Oh boy. Ooh. Um, and then everybody's going to do like the oh complete quests and complete Captain, uh, Captain Willow fucking hell Professor Willow's quests and you get prizes as you fill them up and the grand prize is going to be a Moltres but they just went ahead and announced it, like yeah there's going to be a Moltres because um, like, I feel like there's no way we're not going to get enough quests worldwide oh yeah so well, there'll be a shiny Moltres event just like there was for the other two birds and then I hope the birds never fucking show up again because I'm sick of them yeah, right. Um, Give me a dog. Yeah, honestly. Um, I think that's 
Uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Um, so I'm in a game rut as well. And so I've been picking up and playing a bunch of games. Uh, so the first one I picked up, well, first I want to talk about Minecraft again, because I talked about it last week doing the uh, Viking one, which was, we went, my friend and I went back to that world uh, and had a blast. We found uh, Jotunheim and stuff. And then we went, you know what? Let's try some other ones. So I picked up the Halloween one and the Greek mythology one. The Halloween one, like you ride on a roller coaster all through the park and you get fucked up by shit. But I was like, okay, that's okay. But then I found the Greek mythology one, which is also incredible. And I'm like traveling like through like mythology and I, the skin I picked for it was Hades. So I'm running around as Hades and I'm, uh, I like just stumbled upon Medusa's lair. Like it's a big Medusa head. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is cool. Like, uh, we found uh, the labyrinth under the castle of Minos, mm-hmm. where like there's a giant minotaur head at the end. I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm just having a blast with these uh, mashups, or what they're called, these mashup levels. They're like, you got Minecraft and want to breathe a little life into it, like six bucks. You get a billion uniforms if you care about skins and shit, um, but they're all official by Minecraft, but the maps are what's worth it. By far. So, uh, yeah, those are so fun. So next up, I picked up Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, having played Wolfenstein 1 when it was first released and never having played the old blood. Picked up Wolfenstein 2, which is just as outrageous and overdramatic as I expected it to be, where, like, the main character keeps doing this monologue and with his stupid Texas accent, but at the same time, his buddy took acid and is supposed to be in charge of everything, but he's just tripping the fuck out. It's, like, weird, kind of cool. I like playing it on my Switch. I don't know if it's really for me. Um, I'm just kind of sick of the generic FPS bullshit. I feel you. Um, And then I started a new game in Darkest Dungeon, which I'm doing really, really good in because I have a fucking kick-ass Plague Doctor. Uh, who just is able to proc everything and then lower sanity. I can lower sanity with my jester. Um, it's the, I'm just getting really good rolls, which like there's nothing you can do about that. So I also picked up a game that I thought I wouldn't like because I looked real quick at it. And I made that mistake. And I talked about it on this podcast. I picked up Tesla versus Lovecraft. Oh. So I thought it was a, like a base builder, but it's a twin stick shooter. Okay, I don't really remember like like watching the trailer, like what the gameplay was like. It was it's it's a twin stick shooter, so like it's like one of those ones where like you're you got to just kill waves of enemies and you get new guns and everything. Yeah, yeah. But it's unbelievably fun. So there's three worlds, basically it's just harder difficulties. I'm on the second world, I'm on the ether. Um, the final world is the Eldritch. So I did the normal, I did, now I'm doing the ether, and then I did the Eldritch. Uh, there's barely any story. All it is is Tesla going, I have revealed wireless internet, and Lovecraft going, you have gone too far, and summons Cthulhu. Jesus. So you just fight through waves of, uh, you play as Tesla, you fight through waves of, uh, just Lovecraftian lore. Uh, and like the, the cool mechanic for it and what changes it, I guess, from other twin stick shooters for me is, uh, you begin the game in a giant mech, like you begin every match in a giant mech that breaks and then you can find all the pieces to it and then you're powered up for a little bit and then it breaks again, but the pieces then spawn. So as soon as you pick one up, another one spawns. So you're like going around the map, constantly trying to get all the pieces to Lovecraft's or not Lovecraft's Tesla's giant mech so that you can summon it and just blast through waves of shit it is so fun nick i was so so like it's one of those things where like part of the reason i think it's fun is because i do really like the themes yeah i do like i do like the the lovecraft themes i like the tesla themes too they're really interesting um i liked tesla he was an interesting man uh really weird guy um but uh as a twin stick shooter alone i think i would like it I was like surprised at how much I like this game. Yeah, that's that is surprising. That like, seems like a like a game genre that you yeah would I just dive into. Well, and what it is is 
I used to play a lot of Call of Duty Zombies. Yeah. As we talked about for real quick. Yeah. That's from one of the cutscenes. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I used to play a lot of Call of Duty Zombies. And if you know anything about Call of Duty Zombies, there's a mode in Call of Duty Zombies called Dead Ops, which is a twin stick shooter where you just fight through zombies. And I played a lot of that because back when I was playing zombies, especially for the 360 on Black Ops 1, um, they, there was a while between map packs, uh, new map packs added new, new zombie modes or new zombie maps. Uh, so the only zombie maps we had for a while were Kino Deer Toten, uh, which it was a lot of fun and I got really good at five, which was really hard, uh, especially if you only had two people and then dead ops, dead ops arcade. So when we would get bored, just cycling through the same two maps, we'd go, guys, I want to play some dead ops. And we just play Dead Ops. So it's actually like a little bit of a nostalgia trip for me because I'm like, oh my God, I haven't played a twin stick shooter in so long. So I'm having a blast with it. I, I really am liking this game. I'm so unbelievably stuck where I am though. After you finish normal mode, you unlock the ether mode, which allows you to collect crystals, which can power up Tesla. Um, and I think I really just need to farm some crystals on lower, on, uh, lower levels in ether mode. Uh, and then the final game that I picked up, and I just picked it up last night, uh, not this past PAX, but the one before it, Nick and I played a game called Victor Vaughn, um, mostly because they have an entire campaign for it, uh, where you play as Lemmy from Motorhead, rest in peace, in like a metal world. Yeah. So, um, that's why we played it, but I had a lot of fun with it. It was played like, uh, kind of like Diablo. Yeah, it seemed like Diablo. Uh, but like a lot, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's better than Diablo by any means, but it's not bad at all. It's a really fun game. I picked that up last night, so I've been playing that. I've been having a lot of fun with it. Um, I want to be the main campaign mode with, of Victor Vaughn, Demon Hunter. It's really just some edgy bullshit, <laughs> but it's not bad. It's a, just fun. So I've been playing through that, uh, just so I can get to let me, I just want to beat it so that I can go, okay, I beat that. Let's do the Motorhead campaign. Right, right. And if I, sh I swear to God, if Ace of Spades doesn't play the entire fucking time. It's not ingrained in my brain by the end of this campaign. Yeah. I swear. If, if I don't hear Triple H's entrance music at some <laughs> point, are you trying to play the game? Like, uh, I'll be triggered. And then I'm just fucking done with Skyrim again. Fucking done. I remember last week I said, Hey, if anyone knows how to get that last Vampire Lord perk, let me know. It's a bug. I'm never gonna get it. I don't give a fuck anymore. Yay, Bethesda. Fuck, dude. <laughs> so triggered. Um, and finally, uh, this is video game related, but isn't a video game. Uh, the novelization for God of War came out. Uh, so if you want to read the story for God of War without actually playing the game, by all means, go for that. But more importantly, it was also released alongside an Audible version of it. Uh, if you don't know what Audible is, it's an audiobook service put up by Amazon. Um, the reason I suggest this is because the Audible version is read by the actor who plays Mimir. So you get to listen to all of God of War told to you by Mimir from God of War. It's great. It's fucking fantastic. It's so fucking good. Like, when Mimir does his, when the, the actor does his Kratos voice, I'm like, yep, that's just Mimir pretending to be Kratos. I love this. It, it's so good. It's, I've been listening to it. It's so fun. Um, and, and really uh, puts you in the perspective of uh, Atreus, I think, more than anyone during the events of God of War. Uh, it's, it's a new perspective. Yeah, that's so, cool. Uh, if you have any interest in that, um, I recommend picking it up. It's a it's a good story, uh, and if you have the ability, pick it up on Audible. Just yeah, just so you can. Normally, I suggest reading your own books. I prefer to read my books rather than listen to it. But there's something about that head telling me this story. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so and, and I I'm not sure if he's putting on the voice for it, but um. Or if that's just his voice, but it's like the the accent he has in the game. So, uh, yeah, that's that. I think is it. Oh, the last thing I've been playing, I've been playing my SNES Mini. 
Oh. I actually have been playing it. I, I've been playing a lot of Star Fox lately. Stay effect. Yeah, so I've been playing. Yeah, actually, I'm getting use out of it finally because I went. I'm so fucking bored. I got nothing to play. I went. Ah, fuck it. I'm going to just play some Star Fox. <laughs> so I've been playing Star Fox. I've been playing Star Fox on my SNES Mini. So, yeah. That's all I got. Check us out on social media. You want to do hmm? D&D? Oh, fuck. Um, yeah. Shit. Uh, <laughs> Shit, fuck. So we played D&D this week. Uh, we're in D&D Corner. Hi, we, welcome. Hi, welcome to D&D Corner. Um, we played D&D this week. The end. No, I put my players in a windmill with a bunch of hags. Yeah. That's basically it. That combat encounter lasted a while. Yeah. It lasted the entire session. It, it lasted an entire session. Because covens. Because covens. But damn, you did your fucking research before getting in there. I loved it. It pissed yeah. me off, but I loved it. It pissed me off as a DM, but I loved it as your friend. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. That, um, no, that makes sense. Uh, so tell them, what they, tell them what you did. So, I guess... So Let, let's start at the top. Okay. Nick wasn't supposed to be there last week, so, yeah. so I told him about the encounter. Yeah, I was supposed to. I, I had something to do, so I wasn't supposed to. We were supposed to do this encounter last week, um, and I wasn't supposed to be there because I had uh, prior engagements. Um, so Josh was just like, "Oh fuck it, I'll just tell you what's going to happen anyways," because you're you're going to miss it. Rarely do I get to talk about my plans for D and D with anyone who gives a shit, because all my friends play D and D with me. So, um, so yeah, he told, he's, he was like, all right, you're gonna, you guys are gonna go to a windmill and you're where I'm going to make you go inside. I'm going to railroad the fuck out of you till you go in this windmill. Um, you're going to go inside and there's going to be, uh, two people in there, uh, making pies and then you're going to fight them and they're going to be hags. And then halfway through granny's going to come home and she's going to turn into a night hag and they're going to form a coven. Um. So, so we didn't, they didn't end up playing because other people canceled. So we ended up doing that this week. So I was part of it. But in between, uh, that time period, um, I was doing research on hags and just figured out how they worked and shit like that because I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to play anyways. Um, and you also got to realize Nick's character is inspired by the DC comics character, John Constantine. Um, kind of, I best I guess the best way to describe the, the personality of Constantine is a right bastard, but good at what he does. Yeah, pretty much. So, and that's, that's which, Nick's character. Which went perfect in this Oh, encounter. it worked so well. Because, um, so we went, so we went in the, the, the windmill and we see these people and they're like making pies and we already had an encounter with pies like we had talked about before. Um, so our rogue immediately, like the dumbass she is, wanted more pies. Um, and I was like, oh, we should probably, well, so I sensed the room for magic and I just sensed really dark shit. Yeah. So you... I was like, we should probably leave. And now in my head, I was like, there's no way Joshing is letting us leave. But I wanted to get to the point where it made sense for me to start attacking with, but I like, I needed a reason to. So you, I was you like, pushed and pushed me until I made it happen. Right. So I was like, I'm going to push us to leave because I think that makes sense. For for me to be like, I right, we should just walk out of here. Yeah. Um, like and not deal with this shit. So so I said that and um like they were like, No, 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 don't leave. And then like our ranger tries to leave and the door slams shut in her face. And like one of the one of the hags was like, Oh, you're not leaving. And then I was like, All right, I blow up the oven and <laughs> I shoot a fireball at the oven and blow it up and it fucking lit the roof on fire. Um, comma again, a comma again. on fire. Um, and then that started the encounter, and I was like, "Good, that's exactly how I planned this to go." Um, so we were fighting them, and then Granny came home, and uh, they formed a coven. Yeah, what happens when if you don't know anything about D and D? Two hags together is fine. Three hags together is scary. Uh, when three hags get together, they join a coven, or they create a coven. Their AC goes up, their health goes up. They gain magical spells that are shared amongst the three plus of them. It's dangerous. Yes, a full co a coven of hags is scary and difficult. Yeah. Um. So, so two of them were green. One of them was a knight. And Granny was the night hag. 
Um, so night hags have the ability to travel into the ethereal plane um, and then just attack you, but they do that with the use of a hearthstone. Um, so I communicated with um, my our rogue uh, telepathically and told her to steal the stone that's in Granny's pocket. Uh, I then proceeded to uh, earthen grasp um, Granny and uh, had her trapped in a giant hand made of the earth, um, and the rogue was able to sleight of hand the uh, stone from her pocket, and she wasn't able to ethereal plane. I also summoned my hound. I have a, uh, what is it, Mordecai's, Mordekin's faithful hound who yeah. can, who's in the ethereal plane. So just in case we couldn't seal the stone, I could still see where she was. Right. So it's one of and the by, things where, like, if they go into the ethereal plane, they're invisible to everyone, but they wouldn't have been invisible to Nick, so Nick would have known it. It was, like, a backup plan in case his main plan didn't work. Uh, yeah. So so we stopped her from doing that, which would have been fucking annoying. Dude, I, would have, I, I was planning on just making your lives suck. That was hell. And then, so, the fighting wasn't as bad after that. Um... And then I was, like, suggesting that we target one hag only. And I rolled, like, shit for my hags. Let me yeah. tell you. Yeah, Josh was rolling, like, shit. So we weren't really taking that much damage, but they weren't really going down, and they were still, like, really strong because they were still a coven. So everybody was just, like, Josh, so somebody would roll an attack and just be like, yeah, what do you want to attack? And they're like, yeah, I don't know. Let's attack this one. I'd be like, huh, how about we just focus one? And they're like, why? And I was like, because if one's gone, they're not a coven anymore. And they're yeah. like, oh, okay. And then they did it. And then so I ended up killing one. There wasn't a coven anymore. Um, I killed the second one. And then it was just Granny. And then Granny tried to escape. And I tried to prevent her from escaping so we could kill her. But um, yeah, but the rolls failed. The rolls failed. They basically, uh, the night hags have an innate ability to plane shift. Um, and so I gave them all a reaction as, uh, granny plane shifted. Yeah. And my reaction was to tell our dragonborn to cast thunder wave to try and, uh, push the, to push granny out of the circle that would teleport her. Uh, but the, uh, roll failed and she teleported away. So, uh, I'm going to remember that as DM. Uh, it's nothing you're going to have to worry about at the moment. I know, that's why I was really hoping that my idea worked and she you, got pushed out so a, we could finish her. It takes 30 days to make a new Hearthstone. So, and now Nick has a Hearthstone. And so, now I have a Hearthstone so I can just cure diseases. Yeah, Hearthstones. Which uh, is the other reason why I wanted yeah, it. They, just because fuck it. They, they can't do, do the, plane, the ethereal plane shift. Uh, yeah, only night. Uh, only night hacks can use that. But uh, a Hearthstone can cure all diseases. So pretty cool uh and then that's that's kind of where we ended it we were all pretty tired um but yeah it was really cool uh like i said as a dm i was pissed at you because you ruined all my plans but as a as your friend i was like fuck yeah this is what i wanted <laughs> role play hell yeah <laughs> yeah i had really fun with that encounter that i'm glad i like kind of looked shit up because part of because, me because like are you some people can say like oh you look shit up like oh you spoiled it but like, i mean obviously i wasn't supposed to be there so that was my excuse but like I don't know. I think it was more fun that I knew what I to to do, but like just because I knew what to do doesn't mean I was going to be able to do it. I'm because I like the fact that you did that so much as DM. I'm going to feed you some information from time to time. Okay, I'm just, down for that. You're down for that because it worked so well from a role play perspective. Like I am going to feed you some more information than maybe I'll feed the others just based on certain encounters. Like I know that there's a encounter coming up that involves a magical being. And I'm going, I'm thinking, okay, Nick needs to know a little bit more about this because yeah. he will have known more about this. Your character will have. So I'm, yeah, I think I'm going to do that more just because I think it works really well. And I think you use it better than anyone else there would, which isn't an, an, anything against the rest of the party, but like you just know what you're doing for your character. I think very well. Um, I think that you're probably the best at role playing at that table. And when it was back with me and you, me and Th you and Thurok. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Because Thurok was uh, chaotic stupid. Chaotic stupid. And it worked so well with me and you. And we'd like role play in character because like in character, uh, our characters were friends. So. Oh, God, I missed that half orc. Um, 
but uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun and uh so like we no i said that already yeah Check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales. Again, at, at Navi underscore Tales. Uh, send us pictures of your DMs cheating <laughs> by telling their players encounters beforehand. Um, until next time. <laughs> Bye. We'll see you then. Love you. Some things. Change something I'm giving up on you. I tried to eat my own poo. It didn't taste good at all. But it gave me some very big balls. Are those are the words to the song. Uh yeah, I think those are the exact words to the song. Oh, cool. This is a great sound test. <clears throat> what? Hello? You're on. Hello? Oh. You're on. You're live. Yeah, you're live on Navi Tales Radio. 107 FM. 107 FM. Tickling your balls in the morning as you, <laughs> as you drive to work. Tickle, tickle, tickle. We need like sound effects and shit. We need a soundboard. Wee! <clears throat> Say something, I'm leaving upon you. I don't know. I thought that was a pretty good rendition of the song. I thought it was too. Pretty. It's pretty accurate if, if, uh, if, <clears throat> if I do say so. Granted, I, I don't know a lot about the song, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know who it's by. Uh, me neither. Thanks. Why don't you go ahead and uh, call it, call in and uh, <laughs> let us know who sings that song. Yeah, give us a call in and let us know who sings the song. Say something. I'm eating my own food. Yeah, that's the. That's how it goes. Fuck. Piper. Drifter. Hyper Lang Drifter. I finally fucking play that. Gone home. I want to play that again. I got that game for free and it was worth it. What, Gone Home? Yeah. Undertale. Yeah, I'm going to pick that up. Um. It should. Undertale's good. Fucking watch somebody play the entire game. I know everything happened. Uh, I watched someone play the entire game too. <laughs> Back when I was doing you. The YouTubes. Back when I was on the YouTube. Back in the day, I was on the YouTube and. Yeah. I did YouTube. I was on YouTube. Oh, Lord, it was a great time. All these kids today in their YouTubes. Um. Hang on. Making sure everything sounds okay. You ready? Um, What's your gain at? It shouldn't be super high. For you. Yeah, yours is at the same place. We don't want to fucking peak. But it's like... Ooh, daddy, peak me. There's like... Um, it, like the computer has its own... I'm going to make this peak right now. Yeah, that peaked. <laughs> yeah, that was a peak. It's got that new mic smell. Holy shit. <laughs> I can smell uh, This is going to make into the outtakes now because we're saying it. Uh, after six months of dealing with a uh, particular microphone company that rhymes with new... Uh, we finally were able to get Nick's mic that he bought literally six months ago. Uh, yeah, I think I just checked. I bought it in April. Yeah. We got it to uh, be compatible with my mic that's the same. Uh, they are both uh, Sasquatches. And yeah. we were finally able to get it to work. Right. Um, so first off, Nick's going to sound very sultry. And uh, secondly, he is pretty hyped. He finally gets to use the mic he bought forever ago. 
I know. It was so mad. So pretty. Fucking teal. It is very pretty. I, while I like the color of mine, yours fits you very well. Thanks. It literally matches your shirt right now. It does. <laughs> Accessorize very well. Okay. Take it very seriously. Going to the lab, he meets this scientist he'll be working for, uh, working with. What are you? Uh, I think it's because I'm fucking up this word. Hold on. I bet you you'll read it fine this time. Going to the lab. Going to the lab. He meets the scientist he'll be working with for this test. Told you, weird things fuck up sentences. Yep. Um. Read it one more time. Sorry. Going to the lab, he meets the scientist he'll be working for. Uh, Damn it! Look what you did. And more pressing is that the aliens from the planet Xenon? Zen? Zen. Xenon? Xenon warrior princess? Yeah, dude. The one who awoke many a lesbian? And many a men? No, Xenon Xenon was definitely, like, I've known older older, uh, gay women who have uh, definitely pointed at Xenon Warrior Princess as going, yeah, that's when I figured it out. (laughs) I don't know why it was that. Um, Whatever. He also hears from the people that work there uh, that the military... Military. Military. He also hears... Between me and my coworker tomorrow, we are going to just fuck up the sales for the day. We... Uh, I said earlier I'd spent my day moving car batteries. Uh, one of our accounts is uh, the local prison. Yeah. And um, they just replaced all their batteries in their generators and all their uh, major response vehicles. Uh, so we got, I think, over 30 batteries back today as cores. Uh, cores in the auto part industry mean that we can resell the lead. Uh, we got 30 battery cores in, uh, including what's called a D8 battery, which are, um, I don't know, they're about three feet across, one foot wide, and weigh 130 pounds of raw lead and fucking battery acid. So, yeah. Yeah, I've spent my day moving batteries, but we haven't credited back any of them. Because we sold them already. <laughs> right. So now we need to credit them back. It's just going to be a shit show tomorrow. I can't fucking wait. Uh, he, 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 I don't know why I'm reading your I fucking don't know paragraph. Why. I don't know why either. Fuck, it's not your turn. 